out there in podcast land, you're set to now once again to combat sports with Ron Orr, we love to call it over here, CSWR, episode 39, if you can believe it. We got my main man, the number one ranked bantamweight in the entire country, Canada, season 18 tough contender, Bellator bantamweight contender, gentleman Josh Hill joining us for 10 rounds of Rhino a little bit later on. Our intro for today, we're basically just going to be talking about the UFC from last night. We've got our Dana White Contender Series recap, a full UFC uh, Las Vegas 9 breakdown. We've got Dre's drop of the night. we got our picks for next weekend's UFC card. All kinds of things are happening. New location. I'm fired up. I hope you're fired up to listen. Let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies done and dive right in. So we had the Dana White Contender Series last Tuesday. We had five fights on the card, which is almost as many as we had for UFC Vegas 9 ever all of a sudden done, but we'll get to that later. Uh, like I told you guys before, I'm just going to go over uh, who fought, who won, and then who got a contract. That's just, we're going to kind of blaze our way through that. So we had Melsic Bagdasarian, who defeated Dennis Bazooka. I'm calling Bazooka. I'm sure it said something <laughs> a different way by unanimous decision. Uh, then we had Jimmy uh, Jimmy Flick defeating Nate Smith with by a beautiful arm triangle uh, submission in the third round. He got a contract. We had then Ronnie Lawrence, who Dana had huge praise for afterwards, defeating uh, Joe Johnson, or I'm sorry, uh, defeating Jose Johnson by UD. He got a contract. Then William Knight defeated Cody Bundridge by strikes in the in the first round, TKO. He got a contract. And then Tucker Lutz defeated Chase Gibson by unanimous decision. No contract for him or Melsick. Sorry about your luck. Next time you'll be, uh, I'm sure you'll have another shot at it. So that was the Dana White Contender Series recap which is going to lead us right into our UFC Las Vegas 9 breakdown. So as everybody knows who watched last night, we were originally supposed to have nine fights. A lot of things were happening. A lot of parts were changing. There was several uh, COVID-19 tests that came back positive for guys. So a lot of scrambling, a lot of things happened, but we still got seven fights. We still got seven pretty good ones. So uh, including the co-main and main event, which were fantastic. So uh, leading off, for the night was Cole Smith versus Hunter Azor. This was a really fun fight. And it seems to be a theme that the first fight of the nights are becoming really like back and forth bangers. You know what I mean? And really fun. Uh, Hunter Azor really dropped Cole hard in the first round. He was a beautiful combo. It was a uh, leg kick, uh, then left hook, right hand combo. It was beautiful to drop Smith. Cole Smith, to his credit, man, tough as nails. Show great guts, determination, heart, all those things to come back and uh, stay in the fight and really do some good work on his own. But, yeah, clearly Hunter Azur got it uh, two rounds to one, 29-28 on the scorecard for a unanimous decision win. Uh, Then we went into Vivian Arujo, who, I mean, come on, man. fucking smashed Montana De La Rosa on the feet. Montana showed a great chin and, again, also great heart by staying in there. But uh, Aruzo really won. She dominated two of the rounds, and then probably, to me, she won the other one as well. Uh, One of the judges somehow gave one of the rounds to Montana. I did not see it that way. I thought Vivian was beautiful on the feet. I thought she had overhand right was uh, really cracking Montana, but Montana took it, dude. Uh, I, I was surprised that Montana did try to take it to the ground more and uh, try to slow her down that way. But for the most part, they stayed on the feet and banged it out. And so Vivian Arujo, great win, unanimous decision over the very tough and the very good Montana De La Rosa. So a pretty good win in the 125-pound uh, division. Moving our way to uh, Andre Muniz. Uh, got the first round armbar and quick over, our, over Bart Fabinski. This was... Fast and it was poignant and it really went by. Uh, Andre, man, got him when they were under the ground. Andre slapped it up, put that beautiful arm arm bar on, and got him out of there quick in the uh, 185 pound division. So good win for uh, Muniz. And it's hard for me to see that name without thinking about Frankie Muniz or Malcolm in the middle. Just a just a side note about how my rhino mind works it's always going back to the pop culture and tv shows and movies and whatnot so uh big win for andre bartos i'll just call him bart bart uh you know that we didn't really get to see too much out of him i suspect uh he's probably done so in the ufc but we'll see you never know i'm moving on to the man brian keller dude what a fast 
finish for him. And so basically there is no prelims and main card. It was all kind of became the main card. So uh, beautiful fucking guillotine by Brian Keller over late replacement, Ray Rodriguez, whose last fight was, uh, was in the promotion that I love Combate Americas. Uh, shout out to those guys over there, but he came in on late replacement after Kevin uh, Natividad uh, popped for the COVID-19. So uh, late replacement Ray came in, Tried to take down Keller. Teleker, Keller immediately slapped on a beautiful guillotine. Got him out of there. Like I think it was like 38 seconds into the fight. So another big win for uh, for Keller in the 145-pound division. Good job on him. I think they should give Ray Rodriguez another chance. He, You know, he, you come in that later replacement and you get finished. Oh, well, at least you tried. At least you fought. You went through the whole process. I'd say give him another shot uh, at it. The uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima versus Alexander Romanov fight. Canceled. Uh, Marcos de Lima uh, tested positive for COVID, so that was that was a no go. Uh, the same thing happened with Tiago Moises, who was supposed to fight Jalen Turner. That fight got uh, canceled as well. So that moved us into the uh, Michelle Pajeda fight versus Zalim Amadiev. I think that all right. Juice will critique me later, I'm sure. Uh, Michelle Pereira, what, what to say about the guy? You either love him or you can't stand him. I find him pretty entertaining. I, I don't like the theatrics normally, but when Zaleem just like high faced him at the fucking yeah, at the weigh-ins, dude, I was like, oh, that was a bad move. <laughs> Michelle did his typical, you know, showing his hands, blowing up kids, open hand, slapping him. He tried to. Uh, like a Superman punch, Pettis style showtime kick, but a Superman punch. It was fun. There was a lot that went on there. Eventually, he got the uh, he got the rear naked choke over Salim. I, you know, it, it was a questionable tap. I thought he did, but I mean, I could see why people thought maybe he didn't. But he was getting his ass kicked the entire time. The right guy won. That's really what it all boils down to uh, in the 170 division or welterweight, as it were. I saw a lot of callouts um, on Twitter about what they want to see for. Pajeda next. I saw everything from like Mike Perry to Nate Diaz to uh, Paul Felder at 170. I saw somebody say, I mean, there's a lot of fun fights that can be made for the guy. He, he's entertaining, if nothing else. I, again, I don't think he's ever going to be championship material, but uh, especially on a card like this, that had so many fallouts and things not happen. It was it was a pretty fun fight, and I enjoyed it. So uh, looking forward to seeing him fight again. And he's kind of an asshole, so I don't really care if he doesn't compete in the UFC anymore or not. So uh, moving into, oh, man, moving into Kapow, Kabang, Kaboom, Open St. Prude, otherwise known as OSP versus Alonzo Metafield. This one was a fun one. A lot of huge body kicks early for OSP. Alonzo tried slowing him down by holding him against the cage. It was, you know, it was shaping up to be good because they're both throwing hard. Alonzo had a lot of, uh, you know, times of inactivity. OSP stayed busier. And then before you fucking know it, the short left hook clean KO for OSP. Oven St. Pru, what a beautiful shot. And I have a sneaking suspicion. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later on in the show. But, yeah, huge win. OSP, clean KO over Alonzo Menefield, who is a good fighter, who I do think we will see uh, make some noise at 205 down the road, maybe drop to 85. I don't know. But I like Alonzo Menefield. But, man, OSP, dude, holy crap. What a beautiful shot. What a beautiful KO. Uh, that's going to go ahead and uh, do our main event. So, at this point, we're going to call our homie, the feature player, Andrea, where we can both discuss the main event from last night, Alistair, the Ream, the Demolition Man, whatever you want to call him, over uh, fighting Augusto Sakai. So, D-Reigns, let's go ahead and give our feature play, Adrea, a call. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, now we've got our feature play, Adrea. We are bringing her in to talk about the big main event from last night, Alistair over Ream versus Augusto Sakai in my most favorite division of them all, the heavyweight division. So, I pretty much had it like this. I pretty much had uh augusto and reen kind of going back and forth uh for the first three four rounds even well the first three um i mm -hmm. thought you could have made a case for augusto i thought you could have made a case for the reem uh, a lot of damage being done a lot of back and forth a lot of good um ebb and flow to it and then man in the fourth and in the fifth it was all over reem who got the big uh, smashing finish in the early in the fifth round with the tko with those beautiful elbows on the ground so uh, I thought it was a great fight. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I know there was a few lulls of inactivity, but overall, I thought it was very active. I thought it was very entertaining, and it was a very close fight up until towards the end. What about you? 
I agree. It was close. I there were a few times in um, in the second and third round where I was just kind of like, "Green, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> stop letting him hit you." But right. I, in my opinion, it just goes to show how experienced he is, how much of a punch he can take because he was getting, you know, he rocked him a couple times with, with those flurries and stuff that he was throwing, but ultimately he was wearing himself out doing that. And that's what I was just keeping in the back of my mind. I'm like, cause I'm rooting for Overeem. So as he's throwing all these shots, you know, all I'm thinking is he's wearing himself out. He's wearing himself out. Overeem's going to come back in the end and, you know, right. he's going to dominate. And that's exactly and that's exactly what happened. You know, I, I thought he was going to take it in the fourth, but, you know, he, he made it through. Um, I almost thought that the doctor may have was going to stop it because when he was getting up off the ground and his eye was just leaking like that, it looked pretty bad. But I'm glad they didn't and let it go into the fifth round. And uh, Reem once again took him down and dominated with that beautiful ground and pound and those elbows were just like horrifying <laughs> they were horrifying <laughs> to watch could you feel like you could hear that thump just you know it was it was great um so yeah that i i thought it was a close fight and it was back and forth but ultimately um you know overeem pulled through he does so yeah i feel fight. like oh, yeah overeem overeem experience really showed through and he's become far more of a uh cerebral fighter particularly in the last few years uh you know being more measured in his approach, not exactly wanting to be in a firefight all the time, which he kind of was as a younger fighter. So very, very cool fight. I was very happy for him. We've got a question about him when we get to the Rondo gang session. But before we do that, let's go ahead and get into our Drea's drop of the night. The world, world-renowned Drea's drop of the night. <laughs> what? And I, I I mean, this might be the, the least uh, dramatic <laughs> where we absolutely know what it was, but what did you go ahead and tell the people what you picked from last right. There wasn't a whole lot to choose from, right. but I think even if there was, this still probably would have dominated uh, regardless because it was, it was a good one. Um, my drop of the night comes from Alonzo Menifield versus Ovin St. Pru. Um, OSP was dominating the fight being the way more active fighter. And then in the round two um, final minute Menifield, you know, he, Decides he's going to start throwing some shots and he hit OSP with this uh, straight shot to the body and OSP countered him with this left hook uh, to the head, dropped him in spectacular fashion <laughs> and got the walk off KO. Uh, so my drop of the night goes to Vince St. Proof. Oh, dude, it was so awesome. I, I was te- I was texting with Cyrus afterwards about it. Like, oh, that was that was just amazing. The Wakanda forever signal that he put up to you afterwards just a really mm-hmm. great just a really great uh display by osp not only during the the fight but after the fight really really cool love that guy and like i talked about a little bit earlier i think alonzo Menafield is a good fighter and i think he'll be back everybody gets caught now and again so uh no shame in that losing to osp so we are now going to get into our main card picks now this is kind of like we talked about it last week drea this is an ever evolving list of things right so they can right and they can announce a card you know a week in advance but things are always changing and shifting and moving and obviously we saw last night we had a lot of changes and replacements um due covid testing so we 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 both look at and i'm sure many of the fans out there do we both look at ufc.com look at topology um and you know they, there are several fights that have been put on the prelims and put on the main card and put on the prelims. And so we're not exactly sure 100% what the card is going to look like next week. We have got, I I think we both have seven picks, right? So that'll, that'll do our whole main card plus maybe a couple of bonus ones from the prelims. But we'll just have to wait and see. So I'll go ahead and uh, get us started. And I'm starting out real hot. With my man Kyle <laughs> Nelson, Kyle the Monster Nelson, Rhino Gang official. We did a great ten rounds with him a couple months back. Wonderful guy, great fighter. He's fighting another very tough fighter in uh, Billy Corinthio, but I've got Kyle the Monster Nelson seated through third round submission over Billy Corinthio. What about you? I am taking Kyle Nelson as well, uh, defeating Billy Quarantillo, uh, but I am taking a unanimous decision for. All for right, Kyle. So we got UD for the. We got a UD for the monster. All righty, <laughs> then moving into uh, Kama Worthy, who I'm very high on, uh, going against uh, Alistair Ottman. And I've got Kama Worthy going hard and going fast. I got second round clean KO 
for comma worthy. Clean KO, second round. What say you, future player, Drea? I'm taking comma worthy as well with a KO. I'm going to go third round, though. Third round third KO. Third round KO. All righty. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go up to uh, Julia Avia versus Sajara Eubanks. I've got Julia, even though Sajara looked good in her last fight. Um, I got Julia with a third round submission over Sajara Eubanks. So uh, third round stuff for Julia V over Sajara is my pick. What about you, Jarea? I'm going against you on this one and taking Sajara Eubanks, uh, defeating Julia with a unanimous decision. All I right. think That's she's going to outpoint her. She very well. She, she looked really good in her last fight, I, I thought. Uh, but again, I think I think Julia Avia is going to get her in this one. So moving into uh, Mike Rodriguez coming off of his big win recently. Only longtime veteran Ed Short Fuse Herman. I got Mike Rodriguez third round TKO over Short Fuse. I think Rodriguez is going to implement that beautiful tie plum and those knees. Uh, I think Ed's really tough and he's going to be able to withstand it for a while and get his off But Mike Rodriguez third round TKO. Over short fuse Herman. What is your pick? Each play a draft. I'm taking Mike Rodriguez. Uh, I'm going round two, though. Uh, I think he's going to defeat him uh, with a TKO. Oh, I don't know. KO, TKO via knee strike. I'm going a little bit specific. And this is just because I know his, his Muay Thai clinch style knees that are going to bend him over. And then he's going to throw strikes, elbows that are going to put him down in round two. Well, that actually happens, we're going to change your name from the future player to Kreskin because you, <laughs> you predict these things. All right, moving into the next fight, my main man, Bobby Green. I, dude, Bobby Green can do no wrong for me right now. I am super-duper up on Bobby Green. Love the guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He's gonna. I think he's going to beat Alan Patrick by a clean, another clean KO, but this time in the first round. First round, clean KO, Bobby Green coming off his over Lando Bernetta. Yeah, over over Alan Patrick by a first round clean KO for my man Bobby Green. What say you? I'm on that Bobby Green train too. Uh, he, <laughs> um, I'm taking round two though. I think Bobby Green is going to defeat him with a KO in the round two. All righty, that's a great pick. Uh, moving into, I mean, who doesn't love Roxy? Right, we got Roxanne <laughs> Modafferi versus Andrea KG Lee. Uh, Roxy is a great ground fighter. Andrea Lee likes to keep it standing and kind of do the one-two game a lot. I think we could see some clinch work, which is going to benefit Roxy. The ground is benefit Roxy. So as long as it doesn't say standing and Andrea is allowed to stand on the outside and pick her apart, I got Roxy uh, winning probably two rounds to one. So I'm going Roxanne, the happy warrior about a Fieri, over Andrea KGB Lee by unanimous decision. But I think it's going to be a fairly close fight. But you know I'm going. I'm going Roxy. What about you? I'm going Roxy as well, and I agree. I do think this is going to be a back and forth fight, and I, I really hope that Roxy is able to get it to the ground because if it, I think Andrea could take it. Um, but I'm, I'm always, I'm a Roxy fan, so I'm, I'm rooting for Roxy. Uh, I think it is going to be close, so I'm going split decision for Roxy. All right, split decision with Roxy or Andrea KGB Lee. All right, so we lost our original main event, uh, with which I was really looking forward to, mm-hmm. with uh, Tiago Marietta Santos versus Glover Teixeira. Glover um, was another person who has, uh, you know, dealing with COVID right now. So they're, they're you know, rescheduling it for down the road. So in its stead, the original co-main event is now the main event. Angela Hill versus Michelle, the karate hottie Watterson. Now, Tim, like, this is a pretty easy one. For, I, mean, I, I hate to say it. It's pretty, I, I love Michelle Watterson. I have her forever. Angela Hill has been on another level lately. Her, her evolution from even, like, 10 fights ago to now has been nothing short of spectacular. Angela Hill, she is firing on all cylinders. I think she has all the tools um, to take care of this fight without taking a ton of damage. I think. She beats Michelle Watterson by a really clear unanimous decision. Like, I don't think Watterson even wins. I think this is going to be all in. work inside elbows. I think she's stronger than Michelle. 
Uh, Michelle is crafty. She's got some nice kicks and she, you know, she's been around. She's a, she's a veteran as well. But again, I think Angela Hill has just, you know, leveled up, if you will, in video games terms. And I'm going to go, I got Angela Hill by a really like a, like a 30, 27. Um, are they doing five rounds? They are going five rounds. They are going five rounds. Yeah. So yeah. So I would say 50 to 45 or something, man. (laughs) I really think it's going to be one-sided. So Angela Hill over Michelle Watterson by unanimous decision. I'm taking Angela Hill as well. Um, although I, I hate to say I don't think that they're ready for a five round fight because I'm sure they could handle it. But um, I think Angela Hill is going to outstrike her. She's going to, her performance is going to be better. And I don't think Michelle Watterson is going to make it into the fifth round. I'm going uh, TKO finish in the fourth. Wow, bold prediction from the future player, Jerry. She's calling a stoppage. Karate doesn't get stopped too often, so that'll be another feather in the cap yeah. of one Angela Hill. So that's a big, bold statement for you, Stu. So let's see. Big, bold statements coming out on the CSWR. <laughs> we don't play it safe around here, future play, Andrea. We go for the balls. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All righty. So let's go ahead and transition into our Twitter questions. I know the first Twitter question in the Rhino game comes from my dear homie, Rage and Sweet Potato from up in Canada. What did Rage and Sweet Potato ask us this week? Matt Sarah, Din Thomas, Michael Bisping, and Chael Sonnen, all former UFC fighters who had varying degrees of success during their fighting days who are now retired and work for the UFC or ESPN in some way or another. Aside from the current group of fighter commentators like DC, Cruz, and Felder, which fighters on the roster today do you think are most likely to end up as a lifer at the UFC? Who do you see having that? kind of staying power so this is a great question as they always are for my homie rage super potato there there was a lot of guys who came to mind right and i, and I didn't want to answer this question with like a 10 minute diatribe about the different guys <laughs> and why they would so the first the two that i kind of picked are uh the first one is wonder boy thompson uh he is a lifetime martial artist he has done some you know, commentating work. He has done some like inside the studio work. Uh, he's a handsome devil. That guy, he's really, really nice. He's well received by everybody. He's really, really knowledgeable. And on top of all that, he's a top tier fighter. But I think the thing that makes him the most like, um, marketable is that he one he is a lifetime martial artist so people have you know he had a million kickboxing matches before he even started his mma career and you know he's really well known in the karate world he's just a very lifelong deep smart mma slash all types of martial arts fighter and i think he could do well being a lifer whether that was coaching at the pti with part-time commentary whether it was doing some in-studio work or maybe doing some sort of you know any sort of uh publicity for the ufc i think he puts a good spin on it now conversely and i think this one might throw a few people for a loop i think tony Zinn would be a great guy to have on the roster like like we all remember him uh interviewing kevin lee's post fight how they had they the back and forth we know he can talk we know he's eccentric we know he's fun we know he'll do and say things that are out of the box um what else is Tony Ferguson gonna do when he retires man like is he <laughs> yeah. even a nine to five selling insurance for progressive i don't think so you know what i mean i think he can be one of those guys who uh, is a lifetime affiliate with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I mean, you got to remember, he's been in it for so long, dude. He was a tough winner, um, you know what I mean? And he's been just such a big fan favorite for so long at a high level. And the dude can talk, and yeah, he's weird, and he's got all these eccentricities. But again, I think he's something that we can see for a long time in some capacity with the UFC. So, wonder blessing for one, Tony El Ferguson. Two. So thank you very much, my man, Rage the Sweet Potato. So our next question comes from our dear homie, Dave Fretz, the Einstein of Graphic Design. And what does he have for us this week? And I believe, I believe, Drea, this question was, <laughs> was for both of us. So what did Drea Dave have for us this week? I'd like both of you to answer this. See? What do you <laughs> what do you think are the biggest three takeaways for the sport of MMA in 2020 <laughs> on a professional level? It's been a crazy year. Yes, brother. It has been a crazy year. Unlike the first thing is unlike other most of the other pro sports, MMA and UFC specifically. I mean, Bellator has too, but it's really been the UFC. 
they have put on some great events, even in this climate of the COVID-19. There have been, you know, this was shut down and this was shut down and this was shut down for months and months. And months. The UFC, small hiatus. They figured out how they were going to be able to do it as safely as they possibly could. Testing and with, you know, getting rid of the fans and keeping the have on a very low number. I mean, unbelievable what they've been able to accomplish. Okay, that's one. Two, the quality of fights that there's been during this time. Wiley Zhang versus JJ, dude. Holy shit. What an amazing scrap that was. Dustin versus Dan Hooker, another example. These are fantastic all timeless type of fights that we've had in front of no crowd. They've had in a time where other sports are shut down. These things all happen under the UFC umbrella during the time period, which is incredible and impressive and newsworthy and noteworthy. Okay. Uh, definitely. And this is the tie for thirds. I did too. Uh, Justin Gaethje beating Tony. That was a humongous, you know, that was a humongous accomplishment. That was a humongous event for the UFC and for MMA as a whole. And then Triple C retiring, dude, the surprise factor. See, coming, he had a six-fight winning streak going, dude. Six-fight streak, he was champion. At one point, you know, he was double champ before he relinquished once. So Triple C just up and retiring. I do don't, I do don't, <laughs> I do think he'll come back at some point. I don't think the retirement is for good, but that was a very surprising story. So he also asked you future play address. You are out of your comfort zone here. And you got to answer a question. What do you have for this man and his question today? Well, your second one um, was basically the same as one of mine. So I'm going to give two. Um, One of them, I think is that um, there is a lot of unknown talent out there. Um, This, field has been brought to light during this because with all the negotiations and everything and them not wanting to pay as much during this climate because they don't have, you know, people filling the seats and stuff like that, they have brought on new talent that has not pointed us. And it just goes to show, in my opinion, that there's a lot of talent out there that's not being seen. And I kind of feel like um, they may need to broaden their horizons as far as um, bringing in the talent. I mean, I know they have multiple ways that they do it, but um, just with this, with having to put on last minute fights and just grabbing people out of, you know, where um, there there's talent there and they're, they're not disappointing us. These fights have been really good. Um, so that's one of them. The other takeaway um, I think is that, MMA uh, has gotten bigger this year and it's gotten a wider audience um, due to their sports being canceled and the UFC and a couple other combat sports um, promotions as well being the first to start back up. Um, I feel has drawn in um, some new, some new watchers, some new fans. So that's one of uh, the other takeaways that I've gotten um, in this climate with you know, everything going on um, and UFC and, you know, some other martial arts um, promotions coming back to back to light and being the first ones to start up has definitely gotten um, some more fans. I don't think MMA is going away anytime soon. It's just, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. But, you know, yes, we did. We have had a couple of Bellator cards. We have had uh, LFA. We have had a few. One. Other, we, yeah, we have had a few other promotions put on stuff. But who did it first and who showed that it could be done? It was oh, right. For sure. Right? It was so, so it, For sure. Right, so we were the is. first. And then it was just like it, you know, snowballed a little bit. Once the UFC could do it, then it was like all of us, everyone else started jumping on the wagon. But Ultimately, even with other promotions, it's still MMA. So speaking on an MMA, you know, MMA, um, you know, as a, a as a sport, not right. necessarily speaking directly to one promotion. MMA as a sport, I feel, has grown um, because it's all that people have been able to watch. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And the point of me bringing that up was we are lucky. We are lucky that the UFC led the way, and we are lucky that all you know they've shown that this can be done relatively safely and uh, efficiently. And these other promotions have followed suit, so we've had content to watch, talk about, and take our minds off of other things. So that was a great, great question, our man Dave Fretz. And once again, check out Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes. I call him the Einstein of graphic design. He puts together the fire posters for CSWR. He can do custom shoes. He did for Joe Janetti uh, for his LFA fight he is the man so check his stuff out all right moving into our third question comes from homie cyrus king at cyrus king and i gotta say 
Okay, Drea, and I think you'll agree. There was a poll on Twitter not too long ago where they were looking for the nicest motherfucker on MMA Twitter. <laughs> and I don't think Cyrus won, which I don't even know the other people. I don't think. I voted uh, Cyrus. <laughs> Cyrus King is the nicest human being I think that there is on the world. He interacts with absolutely everybody. He's involved mm-hmm. in several communities, not just MMA Twitter, but uh, MMA politics and MMA food and, and MMA food and food. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all food could be MMA food, but uh, and yeah, dude, he is just what a wonderful human being. Uh, I feel lucky that we are both friends with him. What a great dude. So what did Cyrus King have for us this week? Is Alistair Overeem the most well-rounded heavyweight striking a and grappling, etc. The fact that he never won the belt, does it show in heavyweight being the most skilled doesn't always guarantee a championship? Do you think the Ream can make one last run? Yeah, dude. Alistair isn't the most well-rounded heavyweight of all time. He's at least in the conversation on a mm-hmm. very, very short list. Uh, if he never gets a UFC belt, just his resume alone is so impressive that he would really be on anybody's Mount Rushmore of the heavyweight division. You know, him and Fedor have got to be, you know, probably one and two of the all-time greats. Uh, don't forget, the Reem not only won titles in at Strikeforce and in Dream, you know, another MMA promotion, but he was also a K-1. So a whole other sport in kickboxing, he was the heavyweight champion at the highest level as well. So you're talking about, yeah, he has not won a UFC strap. I, I, I don't know if he's ever going to, right? It does not diminish his resume and things that he's accomplished because you look at a list of who Alistair Overeem has fought in his entire MMA career. It is absolutely the who's who of not only heavyweight, but of 205 early as well. I mean, he fought Chuck Liddell at 205. He is a phenomenal fighter, always has been, and he has kind of reinvented himself. Obviously, with people make jokes about when he was Uberim and he looked like a you know a He-Man doll. <laughs> you know, he was <laughs> Jai huge in like when he beat when he beat Brock or back in the Strike Force days when he beat Brett Rogers and whatnot, um, looking like like I said, looking like an action figure. But I still think he is a very viable top tier heavyweight, even at 40 years old and he has tools and he has the wherewithal to possibly make another run towards the title shot. I don't know. I don't think so though. You know what I mean? I don't think he's going to ever carry heavyweight gold. I hope I'm wrong. I hope at some point in the next couple of years, he gets a shot. He gets a win. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I just, if you're asking my opinion, I don't think he ever hoists UFC 265 pound gold, but I love the dude. I look forward to seeing what happens next. Yeah, he's as well run as there ever has been in the UFC. Uh, what about you? What's your take on this, Rhea? I'm with you. I, I think he's had a great run. Um, I don't think he's out of it by any means, but as far as getting gold um, with the temple that's there right now, um, I, I just don't see it, especially with John Jones officially. If he gets into that, um, Heavyweight, I think, I don't think it's going to happen, but right. I definitely that UFC Hall of Famer, Tito, for sure. He's with his resume and everything he's done for the sport. Uh, you know, he's great, and I applaud him for everything he's done. And I think he should keep continue and and get that gold. I just don't, I just don't see it happening for him though. So, like the very famous meme that is out there, you, me, same page. Yes. <laughs> so we are on that one. Our picks are on the same page a lot today. So, it'll be a really, it's going to be a really uh, thin margin for error. I think we're only probably going to have two or three picks different for next card. So, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, so Drea, thank you once again for knocking it out of the park. My future player, Drea, the the homie of the. Drea's drop of the night, the world famous Drea's drop of the night. Thank you for all of your help today. Thank you for being a future player, and we will talk to you next week. All right, see you next week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get into our voices. We got our voice question from our big homie Jim Soon. I know there's been some issues with the anchor as of late for some of you. I hope you keep trying. Uh, but Jim Soon was really cool to get on through. So, Jim, what did you have for us this week, my dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino Gang. Hope you're all doing well. Sorry I missed the uh, episode last week. This night shift, day shift crap just really kills me, eh? Screws me up every day. I have no idea what day is what. 
I really don't have an idea what day is what any day of the week, regardless if I'm doing night shift or not. Anywho, question for you this week is, uh, what's your thoughts on the uh, Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz 2 scrap being uh, talked about for January? Um, let's get your thoughts on that. I think it's just a money grab for the UFC, honestly. I want that pay-per-view dollar, you know. But you know me, I'm going to watch them all anyways. I know you will be too, so. That's my question for you this week, buddy. It is what it is, kids. You know, it's always 420. Peace. Uh, yeah, so my thoughts on Jorge versus Nate 2 targeted for January. Uh, Jim, first of all, you're you're absolutely right. Of course, this is a, um, a money grab, if you will. Um, you know, granted, the first fight was a doctor stoppage, but we all saw what was happening in that fight. George Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal was absolutely winning. It, to me, it wasn't even all that competitive. He's ranked number four in the welterweight division right now. Nate is 13th. So it's not really going to be moving the division forward, but we got to remember, as you know, everybody else knows too, Nate has a huge and fiercely loyal fan base. Jorge does a little bit to a lesser extent, but Jorge is still in the mix to challenge for a title after a fight or two. I don't think Nate is. Um, They're both entertaining fighters, both in and out of the cage. So you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go ahead and scrap. Let's give the boost to the pay-per-view numbers for that one. It's not like you can give Jorge another title shot because he just had one, you know, um, versus Kamaru, even though he took it on short notice. And Nate is, you know, he demands so much money. He demands high dollars because he's as marketable. Financially, he doesn't even need to fight anymore, dude. He's a very successful guy. He is uh, invested and saved well. So, you know, I mean, I'm fine with it. And, of course, I'm intrigued to see it. Uh, do I think it'll be any different this next time around? I doubt it, but it could. You never know. Uh, Nate Nate will always surprise you. You know what I mean? But I still think if they do fight again in January, it would probably be a decision win for Jorge Masvidal. Uh, that's just how I see it. But, yeah, definitely, it's it's like you said. It's definitely a money grab. It's a way to boost, you know, pay-per-view numbers. But, I mean, you know, they are in the business of trying to get more people to watch. So it does not make sense. The division at all, it might be end up being a fun scrap, particularly if we can get through the whole thing without any, um, you know, out any cut stoppages or doctor stoppages. So, Jim Asun, thank you so much, my dear friend. I hope you're staying safe over there in uh, Canada way, and we I hope you are enjoying the super cool Combat Sports with Rhino sticker that we sent you that was designed by another other than Dave Frex and sent you by the future play address. So, thank you, Jim Asun. All righty, with without further ado, let's go ahead and dive our way into the 10 rounds with Rhino, the second time around for Josh, the gentleman, Hill Bellator 135-er, the number one ranked 135-er in the entire country of Canada. Josh, the gentleman, Hill, take it away, sir. Oh, my dear friends at CSWR, we have got, we've got a real winner with us today. We've got a guy coming off of his beautiful win, um, Bellator and the 135-pound division. My man, Canada's own... The gentleman, Josh Hill. Thank you so much for joining me today, sir. Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? Doing really good, my friend. I hope this, uh, we're doing this remotely. Like Josh and I talked a little bit off the air. I've got to do this. The Rhino moved to a different spot and doesn't have the <laughs> Wi-Fi set up yet. So I had to move to a mobile place. So I hope the audio holds up well. So Josh, I just wanted to say, first of all, welcome back to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Yeah, it's been a it's been a while. When was the last time I was on here? It's been, I don't know, a few months anyway. Oh, yeah, it's been like six months, dude. And uh, the, yeah, we're certainly glad to have you back. Josh, you're coming off a really nice win or a very tough fighter, Eric Perez, uh, back on August 21st. Like, how do you feel like that fight went for you? You looked, you looked great. Uh, I talked, I gushed over you essentially on my last show. <laughs> but uh, well, how did you feel like it went? Thanks, man. Yeah, um, it, it went good. I, I'm I'm really happy with the way it went. Uh, I felt good in there. I felt really calm, and, and uh, I knew Eric would be uh, a tough test for sure. Um, you know, he's got a lot of experience, a lot of wins, and, and wins over some good guys. So I knew it uh, would be tough. I, I thought I had the finish in the third round. You know, I, I'm kind of pissed I didn't get that. But other than that, uh, I'm really happy with it. Yeah, dude, it was it was an awesome fight to watch. Uh, you you split time training between your base gym in Canada that you've been at for a long time, House of Champions, and Team Alpha Male, a very famous gym out of uh, Sacramento, California. Do you anticipate that kind of being 
the, the way things are in your camps moving forward, kind of splitting time between those two gyms? Yeah, I have like, when I'm back home, I have like five different gyms that I go to. I got my oh, own wow. gym. <laughs> I got Parabellum. Uh, I go to House of Champions a little bit. Um, um, Niagara top team. Uh, and then I have athletics as my strength conditioning. And then, yeah, I go to Alpha Male. But I've been going out there since um, 2003. 13 or 14 i think it was so i've been going out there for a while and yeah i i whenever i can get out there i you know i love to do it i love to split my camps in half and kind of start them out there, finish them up with um but yeah i'm i mean i'll be going back and forth you know until i'm, until I'm done fighting that sounds good dude uh so you so if you watch back the fight which i'm assuming you have with perez what were some of the aspects of your performance that you were pleased with? And some things you're like, man, why the fuck did I do that? <laughs> was there any of those? <laughs> um, there was, I mean, I, I was, I was doing a lot of the things that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to land a lot of uh, calf kicks. I've been crushing those in training and uh, they like my new favorite weapon, man. And um, so I landed a lot of those, which is good. Um, I, I squared myself up a little bit more than I wanted to on the cage. I, I do like actually when guys, kind of pressure me on the cage i'm really comfortable there but i tend to kind of you know square myself up a bit and kind of wait for them uh, a little bit too much which which is i'm trying to get away from but um and then yeah the the one like i almost had that choke in the third and i think like if i just made a little couple minor adjustments i might have got the finish there but i mean he's a he's a tough cat and he's he's hard to put away but overall like i said i was pretty pleased with it i'm that, I, flying knee again you know it's the second yeah time. <laughs> I did it against Zani in my Bellator debut, and I, and I hit him in the forehead with it, and, and I just kind of grazed him, and then I did it with Eric, and I just caught him in the nose. So I'm hoping the next time my next opponent's on the chin, it's a, it's a finish. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. Uh, so you, again, you just fought. It, there would be, it didn't seem like you took a lot of damage in there, dude. Your defense was on point. Uh, did you talk to anybody in the, like, of the brass of Bellator? Do you have any idea when your next one could be? Are we just in the figuring it out stage? Or are you just like, you know what, I'm not even dealing with that right now. I'm just going to take some time to relax. Uh, I talked to my manager um, after the fight, and he said the the matchmakers and the brass were, were definitely happy with me and, and um, you know, that they like me and they, you know, said I'm legit. Um so that's good. I'm hoping um, I didn't take any damage. Yeah, you're right. I, I feel good, actually. So I would I want to fight again before the end of the year, 100 um, percent. I would love it if it was like November or December. That would be perfect. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I would love it if I could, you know, get one more win and that be enough to give me a shot at the belt. But we'll see what happens. I know they got the um, mix and Archuleta are fighting for the belt uh, next week. And then I know they have Sergio Pettis uh, going to be fighting the winner. So, like I said, I think that puts me at like number four. Um, so if I get one more win. I think I'm, you know, that could, you know, pretty much put me in line for a title shot. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Josh. So a fighter of your caliber with your record, um, something didn't sit well with me. You know, I don't, I, I usually don't talk about this. I usually don't get into this. But a fighter with your record, uh, a fighter who has your uh, credentials being put on the prelims of that card. It didn't sit well with me, dude. <laughs> I know, I know right now with the, the state of the world card placement is not the biggest deal, right? I get that, but you belong not only on the main card, but in like a co-main or main event spot. That's, that's not just me being like, you know, a friend and a fan, but that's like, like legitimately dude, look at, look at the track record. Look at the fucking credentials. That's where you should be. <laughs> Did that bother you in any way? Did that, was that like, really, I'm not sure about this, but I'm still going to go out there and, kill it like did that affect you or make you think about that at all in, in any way <laughs> well thanks man and uh i'm just kinda, i was kind of surprised that we were on the prelims to be honest just because like you know i you know like, i had my 20th win and i've and i've fought and beat some good guys and i've you know my only losses are to good guys as well and then i fought in big shows and then eric is a big name too um and his last fight i believe he was the either the main event or cold main event when he fought for bellator in his debut so i i kind of figured we'd probably be on the main card but I know they had some other big names on there too, um, so I mean I can understand them putting it on putting on the prelims. I don't really, to be honest, I kind of liked it because I get to fight early, get it done with, and then I can just go and chill and watch the rest of the fights. Um, so I don't mind being a bit earlier in the night, to be honest. But it is nice having like a little bit more of a marquee, you know, being like a main or co-main. Yeah, that's that's exactly the point. And like I used to love fighting earlier on the card, the better. I used to actually try to fucking 
uh, you know, <laughs> bargain with the promoters being like, hey, dude, if you'll put me on earlier, like, trust me, you know, you can take 50 bucks off of my tickets or, you know, something like that. But yeah, so I preferred it too. But yeah, it just someone like you, someone like, you know, Perez, a fight like that. I don't know. Just to me, it just didn't sit right being a, a prelim when. The, the talent level exceeds even some of the fights that were on the main card. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm just going to go ahead and leave it at that because you are, as they say, a gentleman and you don't want to get into too much of that. So uh, now that you've had some post-fight family time, what are some, cause I know, I know team Hill is a horror movie house. I know this about you. I know this. What are some of the horror movies that team Hill has been watching now that you've had some downtime with the fam? Well, I'm, my wife actually isn't, so I'm like trying to convert her slowly and slowly. But my 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 stepson is definitely getting into it, and then my my baby girl, she's already you know she's two and she's already loving it. Um, so <laughs> I watched. Uh, actually, it was actually before the fight. I was in the hotel. I watched that that movie uh, uh, Shutter. It's actually good. It's like a um, a Zoom type movie. Uh, I- I was actually pleasantly surprised, and then uh, the other night I had the kids for the first time watching Scream. You know, they had to show them that. You know, it's an absolute classic. So they had to they had to break that in. Oh yeah, dude, absolutely. So <laughs> they're uh, as everybody knows, and and as I always bring up, what was the post fight victory meal, Josh? I mean, I know you've been cutting weight and you've been fucking working your ass off to get down to <laughs> do, a, do an easy even thirty five. What was the big payoff food-wise after the big win over Perez? Um, so it, it's you know it being in the all the COVID and whatnot. Um, by the time we got out of there and back to the room, the the hotel, the Mohegan Sun, um, I was super excited because they had a hash house restaurant there. Um, and if you know what that is, um, I've had it in Vegas, and they have uh, the best ever chicken and waffles you'll ever eat in your life. Wow! Um, so. Yeah, so I was super pumped, and then after the fight, you know, I was looking into it, and they closed at 10 p.m. And uh, oh, no. <laughs> I, you know, that time I got there, it was too late. Uh, and then, you know, our flight, we were out of there at like 5:30 a.m. the next morning, and there it didn't open till eight. So I kind of got screwed over. I didn't get a chance to get my chicken and waffles, unfortunately. But um, it, I mean, it was good after the after the fights. Me and my Linda and my cornerman went and hit up a bar and um, had some beers, and and I think we had. Uh, I think it was chicken wings. So chicken wings was the go-to this time. I can't tell you how many times chicken wings have been the answer with fighters over the years. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's it. It just seems it's one of it was one of my favorites too when I was fighting, dude. Was a, a big thing of fucking wings and a cold beer afterwards seems to really hit the spot just right. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. So, oh yeah, dude. So you said uh, clearly, and you know those of us who saw it know you didn't take any serious damage. Um, have you been able to get back into training yet, or are you letting your body have a few weeks of rest before you start hitting it hard again? Uh, I always take one week off, uh, no matter what, even if I have no injuries at all. Just I think it's and and it's good for your body and your mind just to kind of relax and unwind and, and uh, just kind of hit the reset button. But I I slowly um, started getting back into it, just uh, workouts by myself, like just doing some weights and I'm running again and stuff like that. So next week I'll probably start. Um, you know, getting really back into it. Um, I, you know, I want to stay in shape, obviously, and and I just I don't like taking too much time off. I need it. It's more of like a, you know, stay prepared, but also more of like a therapeutic thing. I need to train, or else I'm miserable. <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally get it. That's fair enough. Um, so yeah, dude, we have uh we have rock and rolled through these questions real fast, as as we always seem to do. So the the final question in the ten rounds of Rhino, which is always, as you know, Josh, is always the kind of weird, obscure. You really got to put your thinking cap on kind of one. So you've probably thought about this before. I don't know if you've ever been asked it or not on a uh, interview or not, but could you give me two or three examples of something that the gentleman Josh Hill could have done or would have done had you not become a professional MMA fighter? Um, yeah, well, the first one, like for sure, would have been firefighter. Um, I actually went to school for it and, uh, I was a volunteer fighter fighter for uh, like three years. Um, but then I just kind of MMA kind of took over and then opened the gym and I just kind of put that on the back burner and, uh, kind of just, you know, forgot about it really. But that would, that was definitely something that I was pursuing. Um, another, I don't know, I don't know what else, what I'd be doing right now. Yeah. It's a hard question, dude. That's what <laughs> I really think about it. I know. Right. Um, I don't know that that one is 100. percent That's pretty much the only two things I've really actually wanted to do. Really, um, 
is is fight or firefighting. So, uh, so you got to be fighting something. Whether you got to be fighting something, fight. man. I, I just have an aggressive, you know, bone in my body that I gotta, like, you know, take care of. So I don't know what it is, but I gotta be doing something like active like that. No, dude, that that makes perfect sense to me. And there's been a lot of fighters who have come from that, you know, that area, whether it was firefighting or law enforcement or, you know, the military backgrounds. It's just, it's, it seems to be a pretty continuing theme with a lot of different fighters. So that makes perfect sense to me. Obviously, Stipe probably being the most glowing example of a yeah. prominent MMA fighter who is also a... Uh, a, a fireman and what a, what a noble profession it is. So gosh, my man, we have, we have rocked and rolled. We have careened our way through 10 rounds with Rhino. Now you are the, you are the second fighter who has done the return. You've not only gone 10 rounds with Rhino once, you have bravely gone 10 rounds with Rhino twice. So I'm doing 20 you, rounds. Yeah, you've, 20, <laughs> you've gone 20 rounds with Rhino, which is an amazing uh, feat all in itself. You uh, <laughs> have to listen to me and go through my nonsense. Uh, a couple of times, but I really appreciate you coming on, dude. And uh, you know we are team gentlemen over here at the CSWR crew, and we definitely look forward to next time uh, we get to talk to you, and I'm sure it'll be after your next fight. And, yeah, we really hope you can see you in that mix for that 135-pound strap, dude. We definitely think you can win it and hold it. So we are all on board with you, and we wish you good luck in the future. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, anytime, brother. I love coming on and chatting with you, so just hit me up uh, after the next one for sure. Yeah, I, I for sure will, dude. I really, really appreciate it, buddy. We will absolutely talk to you soon. Sounds good, my man. Thank you. This is the gentleman, Josh Hill, and I just went 20 rounds with Rhino. Dude, it, it's always so fun doing 10 rounds with Rhino, particularly with someone uh, having on for the second time, like Josh Hill. Uh, we got to know each other really well. We've kind of kept in contact. He's a wonderful guy. Um, really cool fighter. It was awesome to watch him win uh, the other night. Well, a couple few weeks ago on in Bellator. Really looking forward to seeing what's happening with him next. Uh, so, yeah, big on him for doing 10 rounds of Rhino for the second time, or as he called it, 20 rounds with Rhino. <laughs> so, shout out to this week's contributors, man. Rage of Sweet Potato, Dave Fred, Dave Fred's and at Solo Shoes. Cyrus King, Jim Assoon, of course, the best engineer in the biz, my man D. Reigns, the feature player, Dre, for bringing the fire once again. Thank you to some of the members of the Rhino gang as well. Thank you to Yugi for the really kind words the other day, man. I really, really appreciate it. To my girl, Jessica, the horror movie queen on the scene, my dude, Mr. B, my girl, Lanta Brown, Trouble. G, Mike, Kairos from Shots Fired Pod, all the homies of the MCCI, the TKO ladies, Chelsea and Delilah. Make sure you check out the TKO pod. My dude, Scott Nolan, my girl, Pokey Mama, the homie unsolicited, my dear friend, Ashley, the MMA nerd, and Tony Aneda, my dude, Marquise from Weak Sauce Radio. Raymond, you're doing God's work, man. Keep up. You're so awesome. To uh, both Pamela's, both Pamela Yvette and Pamela Wholesome. Uh, you guys are awesome. I, I love all the content you put out. So, so cool. Uh, to Deja, Miss Fight Diva, all the rest of the homies of the Rhino gang. Love you guys. Be safe. Black Lives Matter. I love, love, love you guys. And we will see you next week. Kate Side.